Good morning. If you could turn your Bible this morning to, once again, to Matthew chapter 7. This morning we'll be on the last passage of Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24 to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And we'll be reading through the end of the chapter. Now, church, if you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word? Here's the word of God. Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we open our hearts against your word. We pray for our eyes and ears of our hearts, our spirit, our soul, our mind will be fully engaged by the help and the direction of the Holy Spirit to hear you to receive your word. Lord, we can't do this without your Holy Spirit helping us, declaring your message through your servant as he delivers your message, Lord, as your people open and humble and approach the throne of God to receive your word, Lord, will you be gracious to us and speak your truth, the everlasting truth that leads us and guides us in your presence for us to live in that blessedness with the Lord by our side. Begins with the word. And may we build our lives upon this rock, on the word of our Lord Jesus. So, Lord, will you declare your truth to us. Bless us, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are back uh, in the conclusion of the Sermon of Mount. And last week we were looking at uh, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And that really was the invitation, invitation uh, for, from Jesus to his listeners. And I'm going to read that one more time for us to refresh our mind because it, it just ties all together here in chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard. That leads to life, and those who find it are few. That, as it sounds, does not sound like an invitation, but really is Lord's honest, genuine invitation to his audience, to his listeners. 
And he is confronting, the Lord is confronting his listeners with the two possibilities here. Two possibilities. They must all, all of them have to enter into one or the other of the two gates. They all have to enter one of the two gates. Either they enter the narrow gate or they enter the wide gate. And then in same manner, in the same way they enter through the gate, they must walk either on the narrow path or the broad way that will lead to life or destruction. This really, the purpose here is Jesus inviting people for them to understand that they have this choice. They're faced with this choice. They all, all people have to choose one or the other. And he is inviting his listeners to clearly understand the choice they must make and the eternal consequences that will follow by their choice. And then after the invitation in verses 21 through 23, Jesus would give us this warning. Chapter 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who calls Jesus Lord, his own, her own Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If you do my Father's will, the Father who sent me, you will enter the heaven. And on that day, many, remember that many on that road? Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not preach and teach in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works, perform miracles in your name? And then I, will I declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. That is one scary sentence there in the Bible. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Warning. This is how Jesus warned his audience. And may I remind you, the sermon began at chapter 5. He is just finishing up, wrapping up his sermon. And this is one of the, the most radical, most um, threatening, if I use that word, scary ending to the sermon. And I believe he did that purposely. After the invitation, the follows a warning. And that warning is not for those people who were there listening, his audible voice, but that warning is also for us this morning, for you and I. That warning is for us, for the danger of merely listening without doing, without obedience. He's warning us about the danger of being just content with just listening to the gospel, knowing the gospel, just being satisfied with hearing the message without putting that message into practice. I believe the Lord makes it very clear the danger of seeking and desiring only the benefits, only the blessings of the salvation, but has no interest without genuine desire to do the will of God. Do my Father's will. Warning. And Jesus says there are two groups of people. Two groups of people. Two categories of people. 
There are hearers and there are doers. Hearers and doers. Now that sentiment, that truth, that same truth is being echoed by Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 6. The same thing has been written out and not only in the gospel by the Lord, but also in the epistles, in the letters. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, whoever says, I know him, whoever says, I know Jesus, who I know my Lord, but does not keep his Lord's commitment is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, in that person who keeps his word, the truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him, whoever says he abides in him, who remains in him, him being our Lord Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The same way the Lord walked. Apostle Paul echoes the same truth. Titus chapter 1 verse 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Get this. They profess to know God. They claim to know God, but they deny Him. They deny the Lord by their works, by their lives. Their actions deny the Lord. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Same sentiment, same warning is being repeated in the New Testament era, in the rest of the book. Once again, at the end of his sermon, here in chapter 7, the greatest sermon the Lord ever gave to the people, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus once again concludes his sermon by saying there are two groups of people, two categories of people. There are hearers and there are doers. Hearers and doers. And as his final remark in the sermon, the way he closes his sermon, he closes it with illustration, which I will try to copy him later on with illustration. But he gives what we read this morning, chapter 7, 24 through 29, is an illustration for him to wrap the, sur the whole message around. And here he says, in the illustration, there are two builders and they built two different houses. And we're going to examine that illustration. What Jesus is, what, what is he trying to say at the closing, as the closing final remark? This is my hope and prayer for all of us this morning. For us to receive that clarity. And for us to have that honest, genuine opportunity for the Spirit to really examine your heart. For us to be uh, really transparent as the Spirit engages your heart and reveals the truth. The true nature of your hearts and minds. That's what I'm hoping and praying for. Now, let's get into this illustration here. For us to better understand this illustration, this Jesus' final illustration of the sermon, I think this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the similarities of the two builders, and then we're going to work on the differences of the two, very radical differences of the two builders. 
So let's begin with the similarities first. What are the similar similarities between the two? First thing that I notice is both builders have heard the same message. Both of them, they heard the same uh, um, gospel. How do we know this? In verse 27, Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears these words of mine, some hear, some don't know. Everyone hears. It tells us that both builders, a wise as well as a foolish, the foolish one, have heard the words of our Lord. They both heard it. What does that mean? It means that they both know because they heard from the Lord, they know the way of salvation. They both know. They know the gospel, the saving knowledge from Jesus Christ the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, what He has done on the cross for our sin and resurrection. They both heard the message. The message is similar. They clearly heard it and they now understand. They know. Similarity. Secondly, they both began to build a house after they heard the way of salvation. Another similarity. Both of them responded in the same way after hearing the gospel, hearing the words of our Lord Jesus. They responded the same way. Which way? By what? Doing what? Deciding to build a house. And both of them, I'm pretty confident that they can build one for themselves, for them to dwell and, and enjoy themselves. They understand that they can build this house. They're pretty confident. Again, the similarity. They heard the message. And out of the message, they have the same response, same desire to build this house for themselves. Third, both builders built their houses in the same general location. They built the house. These two built the houses pretty much the same vicinity. I mean, Mary and I are the neighbors. I mean, we're right next to each other. I don't know whether they're that close or in the same subdivision or same town, same community. But how do we know they're in the same general location? Well, we can see that because both of the, both of the houses, both of the builders were being hit by the same storm in this illustration, right? So what that means is that they are both in the same locality. They're in the same vicinity. One did not really have advantage over the other. The external circumstances, the outside circumstances of their lives were essentially what? Identical, because they are in that same location. And for the application's sake, what Jesus is truly saying, we can even read into this and say, we can say that they not only live in the same town, they can possibly attend the same church. Because they are in the same vicinity, in the same neighborhood, they attend the same church, receiving the same spiritual nourishment by attending the same service, same Bible study. And they even have the same uh, group of people, brothers and sisters, and having that same fellowship. They both built their houses in the same general location. Similarities. Here's the final one. They both built the same kind of house. They had built a very similar, if not identical, house. What I mean by that is their houses are very much alike. Maybe the color of paint on their siding is different. Maybe the uh, uh, 
color of the brick may be different, the number of windows may be different, but the, the gist of it this, the, the point here is that both, they both built the houses that are very similar to each other. And if we can deduce that from the fact that our Lord makes it clear here in his illustration, there is no other dis, uh, differences mentioned in this illustration other than one foundation. Other than the foundation, there is virtually no visible, obvious, noticeable difference between the two houses. Which is important. We can even apply that into our understanding and our meditation that both builders could be, they are both very religious. From outside, externally looking at this person, this house externally and walking internally, just looking at the layouts of the house, they look very identical. These people, these houses both look really religious. Very more moral. And they even are looking like a responsible member of the community. They involve, they are involved in the church. They give their time and their finance in the church. They serve the community. They built the house that looks really identical from outside, even inside. Similarities. They both heard the news, the good news, the way of salvation. And they both responded in the same way to build a house. And they're pretty both confident that they can build one. And then they built those houses, their houses, in the same general locality, in the same vicinity. And then they built a similar looking, if not the same kind of house. Similarities. Let's keep that in mind. And then I'll talk about the differences. So we read in this passage, and we can understand the difference between the two builders and their houses were not so noticeable at this point. But here is one thing that is so noticeable. Jesus distinguished them as the greatest difference between the two. What is that? Foundation. Foundation. The greatest difference between the two houses. One would build his house upon the rock. And the other would build upon the sand. One would act upon God's word and the other would not act upon God's word. One would build using God's, the Lord's divine specifications. And the other would use his own specification to build his own. The rock represents a foundation that is just solid, that is stable and immovable. And that rock is God's word, the Lord's, his own words. And by contrast, the sand represents the foundation that is just loose, that just moves around and always extremely unstable. The sand is builder's own words, his own desire, his own logic, his own wisdom and knowledge difference in the foundation. Secondly, not only there is a huge difference in the foundation, but there is difference in the manner. The effort is greatly different. How do we know this? 
The wise men would build this house the hard way. The foolish men would build this the easy way. The effort, the struggle to build this proper house is greatly different. And if we look at Luke chapter 6, it's going to be up on the screen, it will be so much obvious. The same sermon, but according to Luke, instead of Matthew, Luke, in verse 46, he records Jesus' conclusion in this way. And I begin in 46. Why do you call me, Jesus said, Lord and Lord, and do not do what I say? You call me Lord. I am the Lord of your life, and you do not do what I say. And as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. I will give you illustration. I will give you example. Those who hear my words and put them into practice, they are like a man building a house. Here it comes. Who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it. Why? Because it was well built. Because it was built on the rock. But on the other hand, the one who hears my words, they both hear it, and does not put them into practice, is like a man who built the house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. Luke says in verse 48, the wise man would do what? He would dig down deep in order for him to lay that foundation on the rock. But in contrast, in verse 49, the foolish men would build a house on the ground, just right off the ground, without laying a foundation. So this wise man would search out carefully the location where he could lay a solid foundation and he would put in great amount of effort to dig and dig and dig and lay a great solid foundation. Great effort. Struggle to in order to build that proper house was there versus the other guy. This looks pretty good. I like the location. Okay? And he began to build without a foundation, no effort, no struggle to build that proper house. Everything is going to tie up here. This should remind us about the 13 and 14, the way that you have to struggle through the narrow gate that looks like a turnstile, that you have to leave your luggage, live your baggage, and you enter with a great struggle through that narrow gate in order for you to stay on that narrow path. It doesn't end after you pass the gate, does it? No, it doesn't. But then it leads to life. There is no struggle, there is no effort to build a house according to the Lord's specification. Now Jesus says, the moment I've come, when the rain came down, when the floods came, when the winds blew and beat against these two houses, what happened? In the illustration, Jesus said, one did not fall, but the other fell with great clash. The house that was built upon the rock, the rock of Christ, the rock of His Word, remained standing in the storm, but the house that was built upon the sand, which is anything other than Christ and His Word. What happened? It was utterly destroyed in the storm. 
Then, my friends, that was his illustration, that he ended his sermon right there, right then. That was his final remark, to bring everything home in his sermon. Think about this. Let it soak in your heart. Began in Jesus' invitation to the way of salvation. Invitation to life. Not to, not to destruction. Invitation to his listeners, to the audience, to all of us, to life. And he presents us with the two gates that leads to two ways. That will lead to the two different destinations. And as he invites us, Jesus also warns us. You hear me giving you the choice, giving you the opportunity, explaining, laying it all out to you and what you must do to go through the narrow gate, stay on the narrow path in order for you to receive this life. I tell you all of these things. But Jesus also warns us about the danger of being false believers. False believers. Hear it, but do not put them into practice. False belief. Hearers, not doers. Just like it is difficult to distinguish the difference between the two builders, which is good and which is wise. Which one is really good and the other is foolish. It's hard to distinguish from outside looking in. It's hard to distinguish which house, when the storm comes, will stand. From outside looking in, it looks identical location-wise, and the manner they built and all of these things may be, in the beginning, looks the same. It's hard. Just like it is hard to distinguish one from the true, genuine believers to the superficial, false believers from external conditions. From outside looking in. Now, having said that though, the purpose of this warning really is not for us to use it against one another. Let me remind you, this warning is not for us to distinguish who is and who is not a real follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. But instead, this purpose of this warning is for really for our own self-examination. It's not for, I think someone has to hear this. I think this is really someone when they measure that hard against this, you know, this standard, what Jesus is saying, he will come to real. No, it's not about anyone else but me, but you. The purpose of this warning is for our own self-examination because when the storm comes, when the storm of life hits you, what will happen to the house that you have built. When God's final judgment, that last day of judgment arrives, what will happen to you, to the house that you built? Because on that day, He will separate wheat from chaff. On that day, He will separate sheep from goats. What that what He will do, He will separate the few who have entered through the narrow gate and stayed with the great effort and struggle and stayed on that narrow path that led to life and they, he will separate them from many who entered through the broad gate and walked on the broad way. On that day, 
he will separate doers from the hearers. Doers and hearers. Now, technically, maybe there are three categories of people. Maybe. First group of people would be those people who did not hear at all. And then the second would be people just hear. And the final group would be the one who hears and believes and does. But as Jesus is speaking to the Jews, speaking to the Christians, he says, are you a doer or are you a hearer? This is a word with great eternal significance. This is a word that we need to hear often as professing born-again Christians. As scary it is, as scary as it is, this is the kind of word that we need to often reflect our hearts against a word like this and examine our hearts and minds with fear and trembling. Am I building my life on the rock of our Lord Jesus and on His Word. What would happen to my house that I built when the storm comes? What would happen to me on that day when Jesus returns? When He separates hearers and doers, few from many, sheep from goat, and wheat from chaff, what would happen to me? It's not a scary tactic. Really, it's a warning after the gracious, loving invitation. James, the Lord's brother, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem in that first century, right? And this is what James said in James chapter 1, verse 22. He's speaking to the Christians now, first generation Christians. Some of them actually have seen and heard Jesus, right? To these Christians, James says, be Doers of the word. Not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Now this problem. Obviously existed then. And is continuing on. If not worse today. But James speaking to the Christians. You have no reason to speak to non-Christian. And say be the doers. Because they do not know what to do. But he's engaging these Christians inside the church. Be doers of the word. Not hearers only. You're deceiving yourself. James says, now why do you deceive yourself? Well, because to profess to know God and his truth, but not follow God's, uh, his words and obediently follow his ways and do not live out his truth, that is to be deceived. You are deceiving yourself. This is how we can deceive ourselves. It's like entering through the wide gate and walking on the wide road and you're going to tell yourself it's going to be fine. You're deceiving yourself. It's like you are building a house on sand, not on rock, and you bypass that most important and longest time-consuming process of building a house and you bypass that all together and you tell yourself, you know what, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. Bring on this storm. It'll stand. That's fine. It's your life we are talking about. You want to take that chance. Do not 
deceive yourself, James said. But instead be doers of the word. Hear the words and put them into practice. Don't deceive yourself. Because at the end of the day, guys, it's not about what you know. At the end of the day, it's not about how much and how long you have retained this knowledge in you. But it's all about what you do. It's all about what you do with what you know and what you believe to be true. What do you do? I told you I'm going to copy the Lord and, and end with the illustration. That's not really typical of me. But here's the illustration. A teacher, Sunday school teacher, walk into the class in a class of her first graders. And then she prepared a lesson to teach about the Apostle Paul. And she stated that, oh, today we're going to learn about Apostle Paul. And the first grader, the seven-year-old boy, raised his hand and interrupted her teacher and said, I know about Paul. We talked about this. I have already heard about Paul. But can we move on? I mean, seven-year-old, because he had once or twice had a lessons about the Paul, Apostle Paul, he knew everything there is to know about Paul. So he raised his hand. He talked about this a week ago, a couple weeks ago. I know about Paul. Can we move on? I kind of deal with this at home. You're my kids. But you know where I'm going with this. Do we do this? Do we do that? Do we approach church in the same way like this seven-year-old? Do we approach Bible just like this seven-year-old? I've heard it. I've read it. I kind of know this story. Many of you have been in church long enough to know the stories and uh, 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 principles and truth about all these things. Theological issue or characters like Paul, Abraham, David, Peter, John. Also, you have heard the stories, miracles, the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then quite honestly, quite frankly, maybe you are bored. I, I mean, you heard it. We heard it before. And we already know it. We know about the two gates. We know about the houses. What happened to the house on the rock and the sand, do we not know? We know. Folks, we know. We're no different than that seven-year-old boy. If we just say, I know. I know here. Yet being a hearer of the word doesn't automatically guarantee that we are a doer of the word. You may be a hearer of the word. But because you heard doesn't guarantee you're going to be a doer of the word. I would like to have that guarantee. My friends, do you hear the word? Do you hear the word? The word that I spoke. 
the word that you read each and every morning, the word that you that your daily ad reminds you, the word. Because you heard, therefore, do you know them? Because you know them, do you believe them? The words of the Lord, words in the Bible. But what do you do with what you know and what you believe? Are you building your life on this stable, solid, immovable rock? Are you building your life on Jesus Christ? Are you building your life on the Word of God and His Word alone? Or are you building your life on always shifting, always changing, always unpredictable, unstable sand? Are you building your life on the deception of the enemy saying you are fine as you are? Nothing you need to change. You are on the path. I guarantee you are going to be fine at the end. That you are on the right path. After the gracious invitation by the Lord, here comes genuine warning to all of his hearers to be doers. The Lord says, are you a hearer? Are you a doer? Are you building your house on sand? On your logic? On your knowledge? On your desire the way you want it? Versus, are you building it on my word? On me? Are you a doer? I pray that you will receive the clarity, as I said. I pray that you will receive a clear, genuine opportunity for you to examine your heart. I pray that Spirit who lives in you, speaks to you, will reveal the true state of mind, not to guilt you, not to put you down and see what you have done, you are not worthy. That's not the purpose. The purpose is for you to realize, Lord, I don't want that. And you turn, you walk the other way. Isn't that the definition of repentance? You realize you are going the wrong way and moment you realize you turn 180 and you start not walking, you are alarmly running away from where you were. Take that step. That's all we need. Because God already loves you. If not, why would He invite, invite and extend that invitation to you over and over and over again to us? Reminding us. Warning us. So will, will you join me in this time of prayer, just let's take a moment to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and help us to examine, to put aside our own pride, put aside our own logic here, our arrogance and, and how long we've been in church, how much we know about God, what kind of titles we previously held and what we have done in our family, and what I experience about God. But what do we do now? What do we do today? Where are we building our house? By whose rule and specification are we building this house? And if we genuinely ask the Spirit to reveal 
the true nature, true state of our hearts and minds, I believe He will speak to you. So let's humble ourselves. You don't have to say anything. If you don't have words, if you just say, Lord, will you help me? Will you speak to me? Will you reveal what I need to know, how I can change in a small matter, beginning this after we walk out of this place? Beginning tomorrow morning, in all things I attempt to do in my life, how could I change? What do I need to do? Not to just simply know and hear and claim to believe, but believe and do what the Word says. Tell me, Lord, will you speak to me? Will you take this time to pray? Let's pray.